Welcome to Everything Trying to Kill You, the bestest, funniest podcast in the whole wide world, where we dissect slash eviscerate our favorite horror movies hilariously. Like, I mean, like, I do. <laughs> it's so hilarious. Uh, I'm Mary. I'm Mary Kay. I'm Megan. And today we are going to be talking about my new favorite horror movie, Tales from the Hood. We are all coming at it fresh. We shared the trauma of a, the first time viewing. Um, so just to get us started, um, for our icebreaker today, what kind of doll would your soul inhabit post-mortem? If you became a possessed doll, what kind would you be? So I have a two-fold kind of doll that I would want to inhabit. By the way, Bride of Chucky is one of my favorite things. I one time I did an impression to our Uber driver when I was trying to impress a guy. It worked <laughs> of Bride of Chucky, but that's not who I would want to be. Um, I would want to be uh, the the 1940s lounge singer Barbie, Absolutely. but as Teresa, you know, like Barbie's Mexican friend, Teresa. <laughs> oh yeah. So people don't know this. No. So she's she. Okay. First, she was Teresa, and she was just like a white girl with brown hair. And then at some point in the nineties, they were like. Oh no, we know what to do. And she She's became Mexican. Teresa. She became Teresa. Oh my gosh. Yeah. yeah. I love it. Yeah. And I want to be in that gown. I have always wanted that sequin gown with the opera gloves and the yes, the please. microphone. And I would just like when I I would just like lay across things. Like that would be my style of haunting someone. I would just be like laying across. <laughs> like like inconveniently, <laughs> like they're trying to cook dinner and you just lay across their counter so they've got no room to prep. Right. So you'd be like a, like a very literal us now, bitch. Just <laughs> a very literal lounge singer. Yeah, I would be lounging a lot. <laughs> oh my god, that's perfect, and I love it. Thank you. What's yours, Megan? All right, I know that there's a proper name for these, and I don't know what the name is, and I feel like you will both know what it is and how to pronounce it. I want to be Russian nesting dolls. Matryoshka. There we go. I was like, I'm going to try to say it, and it's going to come out wrong. It's just you just all the gonna... way down. Like, every smaller yeah. version is still you. That's horrific. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. They're like, no. And I'm like, ha it's still me, bitch. I love those dolls. Yeah. I always love those. My measuring cups me are my choice. too. I have some of those, okay. too. Our, our friend Kate gave them to Aww. me. She's like, I saw these, and I know how much you love these dolls, and I felt like you should have them. I love it. Yeah. That's awesome. Yep. That's exactly what I want to possess, though. That's amazing. I love that. It's really um, efficient. I think it's like a good use of yeah, the haunting. It is Thank efficient. You. That's fucking right. <laughs> I like to be half efficient in all of my daily tasks, including my hauntings and possessions. Yeah. It's half a dozen haunts for the price of one. Oh, my God. Done. What about you? I need to know what Mary's is because I think I guessed it. Was that really what it was? Yes, I would be a oh blow-up doll. Oh my god! Can you imagine? Can you imagine? <laughs> Your mouth is already in the perfect position to always be saying "boo." <laughs> <laughs> or am I saying "boo"? <laughs> I hope it is the latter. I just picture. Yeah, that's what I was saying. In the office, when Michael goes down to the warehouse and he turns around the blow-up yes. doll. Yes. <laughs> Like, stuck a picture of him on the doll's face. So it's like a picture of my face. Yeah, it's not really you. It's just like someone was being mean. Can you imagine, though, if I could just, like, lie in wait and then, like, mid-coitus, like, Come to reveal. fucking life. 
Yes. My I am my animated nature. Ooh, wee boy. I mean, it would really suck to be able to be incapacitated by a pin, but I think it would be much scarier if I just continued chasing you around because I didn't need the air to be you like, just yeah, be deflating. I, you just like still flop like an time. octopus yeah. down the road. Uh-huh. Can you imagine a deflated bloat? And then he's so stressed out, he tries to go make a drink, but he can't because Mary Kay is lounging over the counter singing the blues. So he's like, maybe I'll make some cookies, and he can't because his Russian nesting doll mixing cups Measuring are being haunted by me. I what a terrible day for this man. talking about the racist uh, politician here? Yeah, the racist politician from... Tales from the Hood Absolutely. is the person who was like... being who thought he would make cookies when he was stressed out. Oh my gosh, um, our level of poltergeist is not intense enough for that motherfucker. <laughs> what level of poltergeisting do you think you've earned at this point in your life? Like with your sins and misdeeds, like what would your poltergeist do? Is that going to be our closer? Sure. Everybody that's listening, think about what your sins have earned you. What level of poltergeist? Shit. Yeah. Think. Think on your failings. (laughs) I always am. And enjoy this conversation we're about to have. So yeah, uh, Tales from the Hood, none of us had seen it. And Mary Kay and I were actually watching it almost the same Mm -hmm. time. Like she started and I started shortly thereafter. So we're texting back and forth as we go. And so there was a lot of, and then Megan watched that same night, just a few hours later. So there was a lot of one of us sending a text that just said, holy fuck. And then like, (laughs) Two or three hours later, someone else being like, holy fuck, because now you know what right. the fuck was about. I think we all had, like, that cascading realization when they started playing Strange Fruit in the first episode, where we were all like, oh, no, scariest song in the world. It yes. is. It really it is. Absolutely. It was definitely something that when I went to write the outline, because it was my pick, I need to you know, take some responsibility for making sure this conversation doesn't go totally off the rails. We're, I don't think we will for this one. This one's too serious. No, I, I had a really hard time putting together the It's outline. awesome, though, because um, you had so much. Yeah, there was just a lot of... When I tried to break down my thinking about it, you know, I kind of... I started it, and then I had to just leave it alone. Yeah. And come back and be like, oh, here's what I have to say about those bigger topics, and then rearrange them some. Then I had to go away again and come back. Like, I took a few tries Oh, yeah, same. When we, to when get it. I think Megan and Ella were looking at your outline at the same time, and then it oh, took yeah. us, like, three days. Like, we were both editing it at the same time earlier today, because I was like, <sighs> I have to find out something to add. Like, Mary covered pretty much all of my stuff, so. <laughs> I'm going to take the outline that you wrote before Mary Kay and I added things. I'm just going to, like, frame it. It was so good. It was, done. yeah. It was really <laughs> and, like, I was like, anything I add to this is just going to ruin it. It was, like, the <laughs> tightest thing like, this one was already so tight that I couldn't add a whole lot to it. And then um, I feel like the other outline that we had that has been really tight was The Witch and Black Swan. But yeah. those were all of us contributing, I think, re- a lot of new stuff. And then this one was just like, oh, nope, she got it all. Like, <laughs> that's it. <laughs> so much of this movie is just blackness and means, like, what it means to be black, to die black, and then what it would be like to haunt black. So I kind of boiled it down to a lot of these relationships that blackness has to occultism and or Christianity, that black American culture is so inextricably tied to both. That in the same household would describe themselves as Christians, that goes to church every Sunday, that has crosses on the walls, that, you know, like that there's also, we might, you know, today described as superstition, Mm -hmm. but actually comes from occult practices. And there's so much 
awareness uh, that, well, you know, this is a God-fearing household, but my mother or my grandmother, this Mm -hmm. is a God-fearing household, but you still very much believe this story that your father told you about his family, like just a generation or two before having this paranormal experience Mm -hmm. or spiritual experience um, that flies in the face of everything that Christianity says should be possible. There's definitely a lot of that for me, thinking about that, watching. That makes sense. When you say occult or supernatural, like what exactly qualifies? I know that that's part of the thing is like, which is it? But Oh, even just things like spirits inhabiting dolls is really common in a lot of like West African or Caribbean, um, like native religions. But there's, that's, there's no space. Um, there's no space for that in Christian doctrine. That's not a thing that should happen. Right. Um, your soul is in your body. You die. It either goes to heaven or hell. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, the entire idea of haunting and a soul staying on earth in any capacity is not a thing. And yet the whole joke is like the black dude has to die first in the horror movie because he's the most likely to see something suspicious, say absolutely not mm-hmm. and back out instead of being like, yeah, but maybe it's not a ghost. Maybe there's just like an ax murderer behind that door acting weirdly, you know? Yeah. I liked how this movie dealt with that trope too. Uh, well, yeah. that's later yeah. on, but I did, I did like that a lot. I also thought it was interesting how in this movie and I think, a lot of the films that that we've talked about, or even some that we haven't, um, that feature black characters prominently, there's a lot more vigilante violence. Like what you mm-hmm. said we, earlier, um, not while we were recording, but earlier, it's like it inevitably involves violence. Um, is because, like we see in the first episode of this movie, um, the police aren't on your team. They're not on the team of the protagonist who is black. And right. and I know that this movie came out in the mid '90s, but like we had Get Out like two years ago, and that's how the ending worked. Is because you hear the whole. I hope I'm not spoiling this for anybody because if you haven't seen Get Out, what the hell have you been doing with your life? And why have you been? Yeah, doing how long have you been doing this? this? Time, if that's not something you want to um, see, yeah. So like you know, in that movie too, it's uh, the whole audience is like, yes, someone's coming to save him, and then you see it's a police car, and instead of being like oh, good, someone here to save him. It's like, oh, no, this just got infinitely worse, which is what we see in uh, the first episode of this movie when I think it's Clarence, right? The officer who's black, who sits in the car, and Mm -hmm. then he finally is like, after he's dead, Morehouse, right, is the guy that that has murdered. Um, He comes too late, and even then they're like, don't snitch, which is another, Uh and again, I'm coming from this from a totally second-hand perspective, but, um, well, not totally, because I've heard this before, too, but, like, in the hood, you don't snitch, because that's all you have. That's your community. So, um, I thought that was an interesting sort of, like, tie-in, I guess you would call it. Like, where, that's something that most people of color can identify with, is, like, you don't snitch on someone who's your own. Yeah. Right. I don't, I'm not going to call the cops on another black person unless they are actively attacking me. Yeah. Like, I'm just not going to do it. in I this have, case, though, it was interesting because that guy had, like, two identities. Like, he was supposed to be brethren with right. the police who were telling him don't snitch. And then it, you know, wrecked his life because they weren't on his team. Well, and this brings us down. We can jump a bullet to blackness and authority versus complicity mm-hmm. or authority and or complicity, right? Because um, so the uh, we're talking about Clarence and I made the comment in the outline that black is stronger than blue and it's stronger than army green. 
that these communities like the police or the military that should be that are that are tight knit family so tightly knit yeah and that are so insular that there's no getting in but once you're in there's also no breaking out there's no like individualism mm. black matters more than all of this insular world that you've built well in the movie at least i mean but we also keep seeing that like that you know it's difficult to recruit black police officers in communities that already have mistrust of the police because like you don't want to you don't want to join with forces with the enemy and also you don't want to get in there and then find out that you get clearance right that no matter what you do you're betraying somebody and one of these communities the one you want to betray um is the one that actually has the power to ruin your Mm -hmm. life okay because i didn't understand the color metaphors and i wrote beside it i don't understand so thank you um I so still going off of that same first episode, we have zombies reappropriated or not that's not the right verb for that, but they're being retold. Reimagined. Um so Morehouse is resurrected for like who does that for why and why I don't understand it conceptually. Yeah, I kind of felt like he resurrected himself. Like his rage brought okay. him back or something? I don't know. I didn't I didn't really have a good I didn't really have a good answer for it. I just saw your point and was like, why didn't I think about that more? Okay. <laughs> I think I was just enjoying all the carnage, you know? Another example of a character that struggles with that relationship to authority and complicity is the campaign manager. Oh yeah. In the in the doll's tale. Yeah, he was one of the um, more interesting characters for me. He really did not seem to struggle with that like role in that campaign. Not at all. Yeah, I thought they might lean into it some, or that there might kind of be a reveal when the politician's back was turned, and nope, the politician doesn't have to turn around. You don't have to turn around. Like You're on the same page. You're facing the same yeah. direction. I also got, and correct me if I'm wrong, I'm finding it a lot harder to talk about blackness than I thought I would, because I teach it a lot. Yes. But when I'm teaching it, I'm mostly asking questions and not answering them. And I don't feel super qualified to answer questions about blackness because I'm brown, but that's not the same. And really, I'm more taupe because I'm like partly brown. So half brown. Yeah. I mean, I'm black, but we're the same color. So, yeah, but it's you know. still not the same. Like, I mean, I totally it's identify with It's not the same experience. The, yeah, no, means. not at all. But I, I mean, mm. some of the stuff I identify, identify with too, because like my mom, when I was a kid, I mean, I've told you guys this before, but she was at, like, she's Catholic and there were no Ouija boards, none of that shit in the house, none at all ever. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I go home now, she's like, watch this lady talk about tarot reading. And I'm like, I don't want to know. I don't want to know that. And she's like, just don't believe it. It's fine. And I'm like, I don't. <laughs> and then like out of nowhere, she'll be like, you know, your uncle sees spirits. And I'm like, no, I did not know that. Like, of course not. Of course I didn't know that. That's really scary. <laughs> and then she's like, do you have any friends who My can God. like, who are like mediums? And I was like, no, <laughs> like I don't. That's really scary to me. <laughs> I mean, not that you know of. Yeah, and I was like, no, I don't keep friends like that because I don't want them to have the power to just scare the shit out of me whenever they're mad. Like, I don't want that. I did have a hairdresser who would read my numbers, but I was kind of... The one that worked at Ulta? Yeah, I was kind of trapped there, so she would tell me shit, and I would be like, what do you mean I'm supposed to have met the love of my life last year? What the... This was a long time ago. 
So, like, at the time, I was like, I missed him. I don't know where he is. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> but My sister-in-law has a dude, the gypsy who reads her palms at the tanning salon. Okay, that actually goes together for me. But, okay, keep going. Yeah, that's why the first time she said that, I was like, go And on. now we have yes, a okay. reality TV show that I will watch. I am bought in completely. That combination of words in that order, I am fascinated. And I, I met him, and he was lovely, and he did read my poem. And, you know, sadly, I just don't remember a lot of what he said. It was most, most, most so, more so just having fun while it was happening. Well, that's good, because I can't unsee the shit that Ravi said to me when he read my poem <laughs> 10 years ago and told me I was going to have two scrapes with death, and I drowned the next day. Ravi, you should be a little more responsible with your prophesizing, Ravi. <laughs> I was so mad at him, like, from the jump. I was 19 and stubborn, so I would have done it anyway. But anyway, okay. So we went down that whole tangent for me to say, I know it's not okay for me to recognize this, so correct me if I'm wrong, but is the campaign manager an Uncle Tom trope? Yeah, absolutely. Also, like, why? I I don't see why it would be bad to recognize that, like, that that's that's the the imagery or that's the iconography that's being called okay. up here. But absolutely. Well, I just didn't feel qualified to, to say that to someone, I guess, or even about <laughs> someone. I don't know. It just seemed like not being black and talking about black issues and black experiences can be read like one of two ways. You're either like advocating and being an ally or you come across as being like, I absolutely understand black issues. And like, I may be able to carry on a conversation, but I'm not black and I will never understand. Yeah, I don't want to be right. false woke. Yeah. You know, Nobody that's not really that. a thing that I can be. be. But I think. But that's that- all we have, Mary. And if any of us come across this false woke, Mary will punch us. Yeah. I will. Or I just will immediately set us on track, please, so we don't continue to embarrass <laughs> ourselves. <laughs> yeah, that's why the doll kills him first. They're like, no, 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 no. Can't have this. No. Okay. Just fuck off. Just fuck all the way off. Yeah, and I I remember... Straight down the stairs with you, asshole. I remember uh, Samuel L. Jackson saying about his character in Django, like, that's the most most loathed character in the whole world. And it only makes sense that I would be be the one to play it, because I'm good at bad guys. I've actually not heard that he said that. It's something like it. Yeah, he's... I love him. I, I of course, phrased it wrong, but I feel like I kind of have to. It's pretty close. Thank you, uh, somebody check me on that. We'll probably also, link it. We'll find the link to that interview. Look at a picture uh-huh. of a close up of my dog Trigger's face, and then look at a straight shot of Samuel <laughs> L. Jackson, and tell me that it's not the same person. <laughs> like on what was that one movie where he named his dog El Sadat because he looks oh just god. like him? Oh my god! It's I don't like, remember. What is that movie called? Maybe it's I Love You, Man. Anyway. So even as a non-black person, I do live in the South, and I wrote in all capitals about this campaign manager, and what is the guy running for? The racist guy. Is it okay. governor? The, the but, candidate for governor. I think it was okay. governor because the idea was that he wouldn't be in the House permanently anyway, because then he'd go to the governor's mansion. And I was like, if you only have to do this temporarily, why are you causing no, a scene? Right. Um, so about that scene, about that episode, I wrote in all capitals, why would anyone want to live in a house like that? Especially if that's what people remember about it. Why would anyone want the that? The same reason little white girls want to get married in 
on a plantation. Just total pretty. disregard for like his story. Yes. Okay, absolutely. Uh, I just I, I, we talked about the whole like living in a house where you know people have died. Couldn't do that either. That you? But especially not in these. But this wasn't circumstances. just this wasn't just a person who died. Yeah, this was like a horrible racist yeah. massacre. Yeah. yeah. So even lynching and hate believe, crimes are different than just like a husband shoving a wife down. His I feel like it would be like living in a Holocaust museum <coughs> for me. Yeah. No, I don't want to yeah. live there. That's bad energy. That's just constant exactly. sadness. Even if you don't believe that in the possibility of haunting, even if you don't think that tiny dolls are coming for you're you, you're still just living in such heavy air. And it shouldn't. It should. It yeah. should feel bad to you that you could forget that that happened there once you knew it happened. And also, I didn't mean to compare like the Holocaust and slavery. That wasn't what I tried to do. I was just like, that would be a similar feeling to me. Well, no, it's just, yeah, yeah solemn hate But crimes. like trying to exist in the in this place of profound yes, trauma. exactly. Just, like, yeah. yeah, and also why is one of those a museum and, other, and another one a resident, a re, like a residence? That is also off. But that is a topic for another time. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. So, so what is this? You, you said this guy starts off being not so no, bad. No, he starts off being awful, but not in like an especially exceptional way. Oh yeah, like kind of like a stereotypically. Yes. I I was I think I wrote in my personal notes that I in all caps that I was so pissed that this dude is still fucking relevant. Yeah. So pissed, like that is what is in the news this week, right? Now is Congress being like, hey, you shouldn't say that stuff to one guy who, like, we've known for decades, who's been saying that shit for decades. So I was salty about that. For salty. sure. And and I think maybe um, that's why I wrote, like, not so bad. I didn't mean not so bad. It is so bad. It's just not so uncommon. Yeah, it's yeah. unfamiliar. And then like. as soon as he's scared, he goes, like, super racial and if there was any doubt yeah. before, which there wasn't really, I don't think, for anyone. But it's like, yeah, okay, dolls get his ass. Yeah, no. I mean, there's definitely kind of that split between the, like, amount of racist everyone is used to seeing in public. Even if, the, what, like, however they feel about it, they're used to seeing it in public. And the kind of behavior that, like, even 30 years ago would definitely have gotten you fired if you did it. Yeah. In front of anybody else. Also, I feel like that's a really telling moment, too. Like, when somebody feels comfortable enough to round you, around you to talk how they really talk. And then it ends up like this. And then you have to wonder where you went wrong to make them think that was okay. <laughs> oh, yes. I get to hear all the time what people say when they don't think there's a black person in the room. Yikes. And it is fascinating to be in the South... And hear the kinds of jokes or little comments that folks make. And then if I speak up, they say, oh, I'm so sorry. I would never have said it if I'd known. That's not really the right thing. No, that's not. <laughs> that's, not even, that's worse than just being like, oh, yeah, I knew. <laughs> that's worse. <laughs> yes. 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 You're a closet absolutely. asshole. Yeah. Closet bigots are better than open bigots, <laughs> I guess. 
You are a person who walks through your life assuming that all white people agree with your bigotry, too. Yeah. That in any, like, that you could be at Yikes. a kegger. You could be at a random party and just trust that no one's going to have a problem with you saying this, which also does make me kind of nervous about what happens when I'm also not in the room. Like, what did, did it, would anyone say anything if I wasn't there? I don't know. I don't know. People say things to my face frequently. I was called gypsy trash in line at a CVS pharmacy one time and Andrew about knocked an old man out. I was like, Andrew, sit down. Just sit down. Just let that old man be racist. Just sit down. Also, that's not a well-formulated insult, little old man. No. Well, Go get your blood Megan, pressure meds. it's hate speech. It's not supposed to be, like, <laughs> accurate. <laughs> okay. Also, I, don't, I don't want... I don't really want the haters to get good at this. We don't need You're to give right. tips. You're right. You're right. And also, I think we need to give credit to the people who, although they could just say nothing, say something. Like Andrew. Because he wouldn't... I mean, it was you, of course, so he was going to regardless. But, like... I don't know. And I he think says stuff all lot. the time, even yeah. if it's not me. Well, right. And he, would, he doesn't have to, you know? Yeah. But it's people who are already cool with everybody, kind of. Or cool mm-hmm. with the people who have mm-hmm. the power that have to be the ones to say right. it. And so when they do, I think that is extra good. Makes the good ones stand it out. It really does. I have another thing about um, horror movie tropes and just like general tropes of black people being televised. Um, the uh-huh. person interviewed by the news and how it's always like mm-hmm. memed and mm-hmm. auto-tuned. And they're almost always the one who is... They're right. You just don't want to hear it the way that they said it. Yeah, and so I like that this guy, the one in like the... I think he's in like... He's not in a Stetson, but it's like a straw hat, right? The farmer? Yeah, that's kind of hat. Yeah, that shows up. And he's like, they want reparations. And he's exactly right. Like, that's exactly right. So I liked how... Mm -hmm. Um, Kimmy Schmidt does that too. They play on that um, that trope and yeah, do exactly. a really good job with it. But this show did it twenty something years ago. So, mm-hmm. yeah. What they was this? Nineteen ninety five. This came out, and they have no use for money. Mwahaha. Oh That's yeah. It's our little tagline. So. It's perfect. So we've talked a lot about you know some of the elements of the the movie and we made some jokes very initially about finding it scary, but we usually ask the question, is this movie scary? And uh, I feel that in this circumstance, (laughs) it is worth asking, is this movie scary or is it straight up fucking traumatic? Fucking both is what it is. Yeah, for sure. I mean, some of the episodes were, sorry, Megan, what were you saying? I was going to say, I'm taking the easy way out and I'm saying both. (laughs) I feel like some of the special effects dated it so that it could have been a lot scarier than it was. But this is, I mean, I know Mm -hmm. that like I'm the one who's always like this movie sucked. Why do we still watch it like from the 80s and 70s and stuff? Mm -hmm. But this one held up despite that, I think. Like I would actually really love it if it, I mean, I know that we hate remaking stuff, but I feel like this one, because it was in the 90s, didn't live up to the potential like effects wise and also can we get these fight scenes right because this was like watching an episode of bonanza it was bananas (laughs) (laughs) do you know that my mother knows the words to the theme song does it have words apparently 
but they're not in the actual show. I have no idea where she learned them, but at some point I found like sheet music for it and she's right. Those are the words. I only remember the first little part. Sing it for me. Oh, no, wait. We got a right to pick a little fight bonanza. If anyone fights with any one of us, he's got to fight with me. Bonanza. If it's something about like a son of a gun, I can't remember that last part. I just remember those first two lines. And I, I was, I've just always found that fascinating. Like when Bonanza was on the air, she lived in a hut without plumbing or electricity. Where did she learn this? She, where there's a will, there's a way, Mary. I like those lyrics though. Like it's not, it's very like folk songy bluegrass, like. This is exactly our mm-hmm. deal, and that is the show. Right. Yeah, yeah. We're going to start shit, and then we're going to mm-hmm. end shit. It's beautiful. So it's, it's a sentiment that really touches touches me. your soul. Touches my yes, this sentiment yeah. was rebranded in the early aughts by Little John. I think. No, yep. Mm-hmm. East Side Boys don't start no shit. It won't be no shit. Mm-hmm. Same exactly. thing. Yeah, so it's basically, basically the, the same, same song, song, different too. Yep. So I want to hear, I want to hear that, that, like, that. Oh my gosh, I want that that mashup so bad. The theme song from Bonanza and. I think it's Lil John and the East Side Boys. Lil John and the East Side Boys. Is it? I have to know because I'm going to be super embarrassed if it was the Yin Yang Twins. Young Bloods. Oh, well, shit. We were way wrong. We're all over the place. I do think Lil John is the one who says that, though. Hold on, I'm going into genius lyrics because I can't not know. <laughs> Pro- featuring and produced by Lil John. Okay. Okay. Hey, so you were entirely nice. wrong. The Young Bloods with a capital Z at the end. I just need everybody to know. I remember. Okay. I remember that. Um. <laughs> so yeah, during the Clockwork Orange. Oh yeah. No. Um. All I could write was "Holy fuck." And I definitely, like, so Mary Kay had said, texted, you know, I said we were texting in real time as we watched, so we were kind of having this chain reaction, this cascading reactions. Um, she said that she had, like, couldn't watch it, that she had covered her eyes. I just, I didn't cover um, my eyes. I just, I felt, I found myself averting my eyes a lot because I didn't right. want to see it. Right. So I had this opposite reaction. Where, like, some, like, part of my gut was, like, bear witness, you weak bitch. Yeah. And I, like, couldn't, and I couldn't look away. I was, like, really, like, transfixed, kind of. Like, it wasn't just that I couldn't take notes because I didn't have anything to say because it was shocking. It was that I couldn't do anything else. Like, I had to just watch as intensely as I could and, like, see as much of it as I could. Um and it definitely was that kind of like other people experience this. You can watch it, motherfucker. Feeling I did not. I didn't recognize that at the time because it was very upsetting. But afterwards, as I'm parsing my notes and trying to put stuff together, I was like, "Oh yeah, that's part of the part of the reason I even had this question in the first place." Scary versus traumatic was that that there is that guilt about there's like like survivor's guilt even if it makes no sense because this was generations ago and it like my family wasn't even in this country when some of these images were happening there's guilt about the fact that I don't even look black so so much of this would never have happened to me anyway and so there's just all these like fun cascading traumas much like our cascading viewing party of like it's a horrible thing that happened 
it's horrible to watch. It's horrible that I can, that I have the luxury of not watching. It's horrible that I feel bad, but like I could have, I could have walked away. I could have passed at the time. It's horrible. You just kind of like keep digging yourself down into this nasty place that just glues your eyes to the screen even harder at a thing that it was already harder for you to watch than a lot of other people, which is, you know, kind of the point of doing things like televising the funerals of the little girls in Selma, you know, bear witness motherfuckers. Cause, okay. So if this frames, <laughs> your faces are both just like, motherfucker. <laughs> well, cause here's the thing. If this, the frame story being that spoilers for everyone, um, these, these young men have come to shake down a, um, a funeral director. Is that the right word for yeah, him? Yeah, Undertaker, Undertaker home. funeral home. Undertaker. Director, yeah. Undertaker's better. I mean, they're, it's the same guy. He's Undertaker. doing it all. So. Yeah, I've come to shake down this Undertaker. And uh, he's supposed to be leading them to this stash he found. Mm-hmm. And on the way, he, he keeps stopping to tell them the stories of the corpses as they travel. So there's the story of a this uh, black police officer. There's the story of... Uh, the story of a little boy. There's the story of this politician. Um, and in the end, they open these caskets and see themselves. And it turns out they were in hell, mm-hmm. which means that, which means that if they were in hell, then it, hell is just hearing what black people yep. live through. Like just being told about it. Yep. And because none of us who are hearing about is, it now can do anything to stop it or prevent it or do really anything mm-hmm. about it. It's so far gone. I mean, it's mm-hmm. not so far gone, but it's so un. But it kind of undoable. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. That the, the the circumstances that got us to the point that this is the lived experience. Talk about cascading failures. Yes, like this is like where we are in the mid nineties. Like you would have to go back so so far to make the kind of changes that would prevent that ever from happening. Like you might be able to divert one of these tragedies somehow. But then we get to the story of the the uh, the uh, kid in the gang, and realize that kind of no, it kind of no. There, there may not actually be any intervention you can make at this point. That even bearing witness to all the history that got us here doesn't necessarily prevent you from. Repeating. Well, and that's what hell is too, right? It's like, it's not a terrible thing happening because you can endure anything for a finite amount of time, but it's, it's the eternity of it that makes it hell. Like I kind of get that because that's what happens to, uh, what's the gangster's name that gets clockwork oranged with the montage? Just call him Jay. Anyway, we, I just reference, I'll just refer to him as the guy that gets clockwork oranged. That's perfect. Um, yeah, it reinforces the hate in him, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. is what I think. Absolutely. Yeah, and it makes it worse. And then um, the three, I guess they're kids. I mean, they look like they're teenagers that come to shake down the funeral director. Um, mm-hmm. They have to watch all of that, too. That shit scared me so bad. Like, it, I didn't even know that it, like, scared me. Like, it didn't make me jump or anything. But I've dreamed about it every night since. I watched it. Interesting. Oh, God. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's been bad. Like, for example, last night I was holding hands with a little kid named Amadou. 
And what happened to Amadou? I don't know. He was there one second and gone the next. I don't know. And it was in, in your dream. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. In my dream. Oh God. Yeah. Okay. No, I didn't Thank lose you. an actual child. <laughs> oh my God. It's like, um, I don't know, but he was super cute and I was like having a good time with him. And then, then he just vanished. Yeah. <laughs> I definitely wasn't expecting that sequence. I, the movie definitely ramps yes. up in, a, in, a, in, in some of the imagery and like some of the storytelling, but I still wasn't expecting I think when I first popped it on, I, I thought, okay, like mid-90s, like modeled after Tales from the Crypt, so it's going to be like a little fun, a little cheesy, maybe even a little I thought, funny. yeah, a little campy is what and, I thought. And yeah, I was asking Charles and, about uh, it, and he goes, oh, no, it's definitely horror. And I was like, oh, okay, and Mary picked it. All right. Was it Gremlins? <laughs> <laughs> One day, I'll hurry all down. One day. One day when we run out of movies, maybe... One day when Megan has to watch okay. a child-friendly movie because she has a child in the room. <laughs> <laughs> but that means my kid has to be at least, like, three or four. I know. So you've got years, So, Mary. yeah, you have to wait it out. You've got to ride this storm. Bitch, I got time. I just quit my job. I'll just, I'll <laughs> I've got all the time in the world. Just take naps until it's time. <laughs> Which is uh, exactly what you should do if you are depressed. So maybe I will do. Okay. <laughs> I'll, find a, I'll find a different way to pass Just my time. watch more actually horrific movies. That sounds exactly like what you should do when you're depressed, too. Oh, my gosh. Oh, yeah. I think I, think I see your point. And that's exactly what I'll do. Yeah. Um, a couple of other things, like me, <laughs> yeah. that, that feeling. So, okay. So at the end of Black Panther... <laughs> I didn't see Black Panther yet. I'm not frozen. I just didn't know what to do with that at all. Oh, it's because I know it's a superhero movie. Yeah, but I hate superhero movies, and I have seen Black Panther. Okay. No, I know I need to. It's it's really good. I definitely cannot stand, cannot stand any of the superhero movies. Like, if you're not, like, the 90s Batman, I don't want anything to do with any of them. But well, Black that's Panther fair. Was great. I also love everyone who's in it, and everyone is in it. So yeah, everyone's in it, and the costuming mm-hmm. is beautiful, and the soundtrack is incredible. Well, by the time this really good. this episode comes out, I am going to watch it so that no one can give me shit about it. That's also, that's um, girl, they play Dunamba rhythms during the fight ah, scenes. I know some of those. Yeah, so. Um, but there's a, a moment towards the end that I'm sorry to have to ruin this for you, but I think it's it will be just as impactful. To <laughs> sure, see it. yeah. But I don't um, really care. But I, well, I mean that like I don't think I can take away. Yeah, from no, do the it. Way the movie builds to the moment, right? But there's a, a moment. So uh, Michael B. Jordan's character Killmonger has been defeated, so he's been stabbed, and he knows that when he withdraws the blade, he's going to die, and he refuses to be healed because he does not. He knows he'll be in prison because he's a criminal at this point, and he. Um, would rather die than be locked up. So um, he's taken to see his first Wakandan sunrise and it's beautiful. And he tells um, T'Challa to uh, bury me in the ocean with my ancestors who jumped from the ships because they knew death was better than a life in bondage. And even just like saying it myself, like gives me 
chills. I like it. It just, it messed me up. I saw the movie like three or four times in theaters. At least it messed me up every time I have watched it already. It's on Netflix. Now I've watched it like three times every time, like fucks me up a little bit to like, imagine like, what would you do? What would it take? Who do, who do you have to be to throw yourself off a ship in the middle of the Atlantic ocean? Um, and that line in this, uh, do you want to be spared? Hit me in a really similar way. This like, like very like gut punch reflective. How would you answer that question? Um, that one wrecked me. And then I thought of you, Megan, because when they were talking about the souls in the in the dolls, mm-hmm. that they had like escaped this horribly traumatic life and death to go live in these dolls. But it sounded like the way they described it sounded really similarly similar to the way that people with PTSD describe like the dissociative yeah. experience during a during a traumatic event. Mm-hmm. But like I left my body. Yeah. Like I pretended it was happening to somebody yep. else. Um I thought of you because you know, me do this for a living. Did. <laughs> Did. Did. Fair enough. But you know a lot more about it than yes. I do. I didn't know if you'd had the same had the same thought. I did it, but listening. now that you've said it, that's really cool. Yeah, you're so smart, Mary. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I thought about making a joke, Just and then I was the like, compliment. Well, yeah, that's why I thought about making a joke, and then I was like, we're not supposed to do that anymore. We're supposed to accept compliments. Gosh, so, Mary, so I take it back. Okay, where are we? Where are we at in this outline? The Undertaker. Oh yeah, did you guys like that storytelling device? I am a sucker for a frame story. I love it. I. I'm waiting for Mary Kay to tell us how much she hated it. I didn't hate it, but I do think that it could be done better now. Yeah. That's if fair. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, I would especially like it if this was like a, f- a four-part series, for example. Ooh. And it expanded yeah, on each story a Yeah, bit more. so you could have a lot more time, and you could spend more time in the funeral home, too. Like, mm-hmm. and this is not the same at all as with Hill House, but... That was one book, and then they really stretched it out, and so they got a lot more sequences and stuff in that move in that uh, show. And I thought that worked really well, and I think it could work really well for this too, um, especially because I don't know, like from Tales from the Crypt, I thought was just like it was just a storytelling device. Then it was like I'm going to tell you yeah. the story tonight. Okay, see you yep. next week. Mm-hmm. Like. This one was actually yeah. a, a narrative and not just a frame. Yeah. So no, I thought that was cool because I expected it to just be like, oh yeah, here's, you know, go back to your life and change forever, and they just couldn't go back. So I liked that. Um, I also wanted to talk about the Undertaker himself, and we do have a name mm-hmm. for him, but I don't recall it. So let's just call him the Undertaker. Um. So, first of all, he opens the door and has, like, that Frederick Douglass hair. And it's just like, yes. whoa. <laughs> um, and his smile is so creepy, too. I wish that the effects could be better for this movie. Because when that snake tongue comes out in his cute little gap. Oh, yeah. I was like, 
that would have been really scary if it looked real. <laughs> but because it doesn't, yeah, yeah. it looks silly, you know? Um, yeah. It was, like, animated, like, Natural Born Killers style. Yeah. Um, anyway, I do think, though, that even with the kind of silly animation, the idea of an Undertaker is always a little bit scary. Because they are yeah. okay with dealing with dead bodies, and they are able to dissociate. Um and they just have, like, a lot of people that they're hosting constantly who are grieving. And that sounds like a really hard job. Yes. And they have to do, make a business out of it. Yeah. Yeah, they still it's have to customer it's service, a transaction. Basically. Right. Yeah, like, death and grief is transactional. Yeah, it's just, it's real strange to me. Like, I think that's why our culture is always, like, recoils a little bit from, like, from mm-hmm. that. Um, and, like, the dressing of the bodies is so gross. I mean, I'm sure when that I was it's a lot less. In gross, middle school, I wanted to work in a morgue. Fucking, of course you did. <laughs> like, Nobody. <laughs> yeah, that's what like my when I took the pre SATs, and it's like, what job do you want to do? And I was like, I want to pursue mortuary science. So, look, little dog, chill. <laughs> that makes sense. Chewy did not like it. Yeah, nobody's surprised. Just like last episode, raise your hand if you're surprised. Megan likes pink. Raise your hand if you're surprised, or does not like being. Raise your hand if you're surprised Megan used to want to work in a morgue. No one. The idea of embalming people was real intriguing to me. It's intriguing, but only, like, secondhand. I don't want to do it myself. No, um, no I, wa- I want to It would be intriguing to, to learn about. Yeah. yeah, man. I wanted to do it. And then, like, doing the makeup and, like, picking out their outfits and, like, dressing them, that was always really cool, too. There's a there's that one story that we read when I was growing up that was really good behind the formaldehyde curtain, which I'll link to mm-hmm. in the show notes. And now Mary Roach has a book called Stiff <clears throat> about cadavers. Uh-huh. It's really fun. I need it. Yeah, you'd like it a lot, I think, actually. Um, add it to my list. But one of the things that I wanted to point out about it being a funeral home, and this is, I mean, I'm sure it's intentional, but I don't know that I was supposed to notice it, is that churches and funeral parlors are one of the institutions that are consistently still, like, de jour segregated. So, like, no one is telling mm-hmm. you to do that, but... I mean, right. I very seldom go to church and it'd be like a nice multicultural area. You know, it's usually all of one yeah. ethnicity. I mean, with the exception of, and I will say this, Catholic churches. Like every Catholic church I've been to has been pretty, um, right. yeah, multi-ethnic. But yeah, but I just, I thought that was an interesting place to set this for that reason as well. Yeah. I guess I hadn't thought, I mean, I hadn't thought about that as as an element for the movie. Yeah. Me neither. Like, certainly something you notice in your Mm -hmm. human life, but I never thought about the fact that that would affect who was going to be in this funeral home in Mm -hmm. the first place. May Kay, you're so smart. Thanks. (gasps) Thanks for not singing at me. Singing at you? How dare you? How dare you? I tried. (laughs) I took a minute. I took a minute. If you'd said anything besides that I'm smart, I probably would have done that. But I am confident in my intelligence. <laughs> my elbow creases, though? My armpits? Mm-mm. Nope. I took a minute to actually stop myself from talking I'm down about myself. I'm very proud of you. And I'm glad I Yay. did that. Good for you. Um, uh, we've, got some, we've got some interesting stuff that's kind of scattered now but i think we should just kind of 
throw shit at the walls. This is everything trying to kill you. The lightning round. (laughs) Bam, bam, bam. So we have zombies here. Um, and there are some differences, some critical differences between a zombie here and the way we traditionally think of uh, a zombie shambling corpse looking for brains. Okay, that's right? a ghoul though, right? Yeah, there's a difference. And we touch on that a lot. I get pretty deep into the history of zombies versus ghouls versus what we consider like the Romarian zombies in our Girl with All the Gifts uh-huh. episode. And then and we uh, talk about it again yeah. in Night of the Living Dead. Night and Jack actually dead. gives us some really cool, like, of the, like yeah, the racial yeah. background. Yeah, and I taught that yesterday, in case you guys were wondering. Yeah. yeah. About this Kim Adonizio poem. Nice. Well, these, these, these zombies, these raised corpses, yeah. this raised corpse, it, it, the, in particular, I was thinking about uh, Morehouse, the mm-hmm. activist. Yeah. Um, is, like, has a lot of agency. Like he can clearly think and plan, and he's super fast and super strong, and can just like de and rematerialize maybe in random places. Use his brain to shoot syringes into people's backs. And he, yeah, and he doesn't. As far as we can tell, nobody raised him and manipulates right. him. Like he just his rage brought him this, back. This, uh, yeah, if anything, he told Clarence to bring him yeah. over. He summoned the people he wanted, and once they got there, he was like, it's time! And, like, <laughs> jumped up. So, um, He really did. That's, yet, so, I mean, you said he, like, jumped up when it was time, but he exploded on the scene. <laughs> he really he did. did. <laughs> he, uh, you might even say he blew up he their spot. literally blew so, up their spot. <laughs> he blew up all over uh, them. Uh, <laughs> Literally, it was, it was in. I was a little. I, the explosion was so massive that I was like, "Oh my god, where is he? Did he just explode? What's happening? Did he explode? Oh my what? God. What's going on?" <laughs> but then, so the thing is, we keep seeing this, and there's this like supernatural agency. So in this story, it's it's uh, Morehouse resurrecting himself. Then we have Walter, who's able to incapacitate his monster. In a supernatural way. And then we have um, the dolls who can just like, they're also very fast and scary. Um, and all of this agency just manifests in violence, always. Like, at least it's not like any of the agency is like, I avoided the situation or I escaped. It's like, I fucked that fucker <laughs> yeah, up. That's true. Um, the Another example that you didn't mention is uh, the little boy Walter. Like he he draw he basically draws a proxy. I forget. Uh, Caitlin told us about it on the Pan's Labyrinth episode. It's not just yeah. voodoo dolls. It's like it's anything in someone's likeness. But he draws their mm-hmm. picture. Oh, like a, like a yeah or, yeah yeah. Right I think so. So he he draws an effigy, and then when he folds it, like the bully falls down the stairs and breaks both arms and legs. So if he tears it, that's what happens. Mm-hmm. And then he does that too. His father figure. I don't think it's his dad, though. Yeah, that's what I meant by incapacitating the monster. Oh, the, that he's the able monster. To, okay, got it. Like he has like yeah, that he has like a supernatural ability right. to to incapacitate this guy, but he didn't like erase no, him. Right. Now, man, just leaves. He crushed him to death and then set him on yeah. fire. Yeah, the fuck not, man. I mean, hey. Well, I just it, it was interesting to me that this that he didn't just get that safe. like. A, 
It was a violent. It was like, of course, of course, if we're talking about like black bodies surviving trauma, we're talking about black bodies resisting authoritarian figures. Of course, there, there, we like go to this satisfaction of revenge, of not just escaping the situation, but destroying the situation altogether, destroying the the aggressor. Um, made sense to me. I mean, Get Out was con- they, it was they considered having it end differently and realized like, nope, we don't. It's not going to be the police. We can't have it be the police. We've gone too far down this road, right. and everyone will just leave the theater with their souls crushed, completely dismantled. Right. If the police pull up right now. Speaking so. of ways to disassemble souls, uh, when Little Walter mm-hmm. tells his um, his teacher, who confronts him several times, "How did you get your black eye?" and Walter says, "A monster mm-hmm. did it," and he's like, "Okay, when re- when you're ready to tell me the truth, I'll be here." And then Walter goes, well, he said no one would believe me. And that just, like, crushed my heart for Mm -hmm. that little boy. Because he tried to tell you, (laughs) and it wasn't, it just, he didn't, he, like you said, like, disassociated from the experience. So he made him a monster. Mm -hmm. So he's He's telling the truth. Yeah. I don't know. It's just, it's sad. Oh yeah, no, it was poor little baby angel. Definitely one of those moments where you think, "Oh, everyone tried to do the right thing just then, and it did not work." No, it which did is not. bad enough with some like gift of the magi shit, and you just fuck up your Christmas presents. <laughs> right. when a child is in danger. When a child is in danger, it's a little more serious. That that sequence also, that and then the clockwork oranging uh, had me thinking about how I interpret objectification on black bodies. Because we talk about objectification in so many other episodes. It's such a common thing in horror mm-hmm. or in sexuality. So link, <laughs> da, 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 if you've listened to any other episode we've ever done, we've talked about mm-hmm. this at length. And then I kept thinking like, oh yeah, it's really minimal here. I don't feel like I'm seeing a lot of that. But she was definitely wearing just like a tiny slip and no bra. Oh, yeah. His, his mother was during that sequence. And then at the end, when um, Crazy K is in, like, a loincloth underwear? I'm not sure what that yeah. situation was. Just had his loins. Barely. Um, yeah, I was like... We can understand the situation when he is wearing what he is yeah, wearing. I was, yeah, I was very... I found myself wondering if it felt like not that much. Because, like... Two examples wasn't a lot. <laughs> would I interpret this different? Yeah, two examples. Is that actually not a lot for horror, or is it? Did I see just as much skin as I normally see? It just I expected more. Why would I expect more? So I, I I don't really I didn't really land on that yet. I feel like I need to watch it again, and I did not have it in me to watch it again since right. my last viewing. Um, but I think that's definitely something I'm going to be mindful of going forward. Is kind of tracking. Yeah what feels like a lot of sexuality or what feels like a lot of nudity based on what I'm actually seeing. Mostly people are wearing clothes. Lots of Mostly. clothes. Baggy clothes. Lots of yeah. Tupac tied bandanas and ice cube oh, button yes. up plaids. Damn Mary Kay's uh-huh. 1995. What more do you want from them? Oh, I was into it. Okay. Yeah, and I liked it. I was feeling all of it. 
That's having a blast. Um, okay, so speaking of production elements, we talked a little bit about the fight yeah. scenes. And we talked a little bit about the special effects. Was there anything about any special effect that really worked for you? Oh, the corpse of the burned stepfather in the coffin. That was mm-hmm. a cool image because I was like, oh shit, he's there. <laughs> like, y'all didn't bother to cremate it. We just open casketed it. All right. <laughs> okay. I've I've read that in some versions that there is another version where that shot shows Walter. No. Ooh. Yeah, I know. I was like, I how that does that even work? work? How does that make sense? Is is the idea that Mary Kay looks so disgusted this right now? Some kind of fantasy. I don't. Yeah. So clearly, that's not ultimately the the like um, what's the word? Endorsed version. Yeah. Because we all saw the same thing, but. I've read that there is that has been televised. That has been aired. Interesting. If not televised, it, it has existed. Well, so while we're on production elements, why are there grandfather clocks everywhere? They're everywhere. They're in every I, scene. I didn't. Oh, okay. notice that. I didn't notice it either. <laughs> and then I tried to Google it, and I couldn't find anything on it. But then I still like was able to go watch it because I re-rented it again the other night just or yesterday because I wanted to re-watch it because I was not feeling good the first day mm-hmm. and I was like I have contributed nothing to this outline sit down and watch this movie and contribute to the outline and I noticed them everywhere but like I can't put together any rhyme or reason I don't know either so if you're know. listening and you know Please Tell let us. us know because it's going to make doesn't me know crazy. <laughs> and I will just make <laughs> some shit up if no one tells me. Because normally I can make connections in my brain really fast. But not for yeah. that. And I know it's not an accident. Like, it's mm-hmm. it's in there too much for it to not be deliberate. Be, yeah. So. yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Huh. What else do we miss? The clock. The clock, you think time, but I don't. I don't know either. I don't know. Do we have a closer? Our closer was, what degree of haunting do you think you deserve? Oh, oh okay. Yes, yes, yes. Have, if, have you had a minute to think about this? And have you, have you even remembered that? Yeah, no, I do this? now. Um, so I'm already being, I already have a poltergeist in my computer. My students <laughs> named him Gianni with a G. Okay. Because mm-hmm. sometimes my computer will just be like, I'm done. And it'll just, like, go black. Or uh, sometimes, like, the projector screen will just w- roll up for no reason. Or, like, there will be banging on the walls while I'm teaching. So I guess that's what I've earned. That's punishment for my sins, I guess. This <laughs> is Gianni. They gave him a last name, too, but I can't remember what it was. They had a lot of fun with that. That inconveniencing bastard. And I'd be, like, typing, and he would, like, click somewhere else. So I would start typing, like, in the middle of a word up higher on the page. Oh, yeah. And after a while, they would be the ones to be like, uh, your poltergeist just moved your cursor, Professor McBrayer. And I'd be like, thanks. (laughs) And it would just be, like, that casual. Oh, my God. 
What do you think, Megan? I think I'm past a poltergeist. What's above a poltergeist? <laughs> Straight up demon possession. <laughs> What's the next level of yeah, hunting? I'm probably a there. Corporeal, corporeal beings. Yeah, that's what right. I get. Oh no! What would it do you? Know. Just like hang out. Yeah, maybe. There's like that dumb little meme on the internet where it's just like demon tries to come take your soul and you end up figuring out you have a lot in common. I think that meme is me. Oh my gosh. <laughs> or that other dumb one where a demon tries to possess your body and it's like, ouch, everything hurts. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome. Welcome to my body. They're like, oh, okay, no, we're good. We don't want to be here. We'll see you later. What about you, Mary? I'm, I'm torn between the demon that misplaces my shit, but in a really, like, subtle way. So, like, even when I actually put stuff back where it goes, and even when I'm actually, like, prepared to leave on time. Because, you know, I can, be, I can be someone who, like, you know, doesn't allow herself enough time in the morning, or someone who, like, you know, gets sidetracked and finds myself rushing to get out of the house often. So, like, even though I actually put stuff where it belonged or I'm actually leaving on time... My keys aren't in this one sensible place. They're in some other sensible place that I totally could have put them, but I didn't. Or like the pair of shoes I wanted. I know I set them right here. And they're somewhere else perfectly in sight and sensible, just not here where I set them and I'm looking for them. So I'm torn between that ghost that just like makes me late all the time. And even when I actually wouldn't have been for once and I could never say, like, if, so then if you say, right, it's my ghost, no one's going to believe you because you're just a late person. <laughs> That ghost or a ghost that makes my feet cold always, always. <laughs> That sucks. <laughs> yeah. I like how yours are just minor inconveniences. So is yours. Mine was like, it embarrasses me though. Because I'll be like oh, typing okay. and it'll start like typing a bad word somewhere on my screen. My gosh. And it's like my job. I Fucking Gianni. You little shit. Yeah, mine is, mine is hopefully just a minor inconvenience. I mean, I'd, I'd like to think it is not the case. My poltergeist would make me late, and then I'd get caught in just the right traffic to be in a horrible accident. Oh, my gosh. But I don't know. Maybe that's the poltergeist's plan oh, no. all along. Maybe that was the point of the inconveniences. Oh, no. oh shit. Well, speaking of stalker ghosts, up next mm-hmm, mm-hmm. for Valentine's Day, we have the ultimate stalker ghost, Slash, if you get horny, you will die horror movie, which you know is a trope in all the slashers. But this one, especially for Valentine's Day, we're doing It Follows, which you can stream on Netflix or rent on Amazon. Um, so we're looking forward to talking to y'all about that on the horniest day of the year, Valentine's Day. Although I don't really think that's true. I think that's- it's probably like Fourth of July, Halloween, and then Valentine's Day. Yeah. Oh, Arbor Day. Arbor Day. Arbor Day. <laughs> Mary's trying to fuck some trees over here. <laughs> the mighty oak, indeed. <laughs> On that note, please tell your friends about this podcast. <laughs> please rate and review and subscribe to us. And thank you so much for listening. Bye. 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 Bye.